0: Turn myself off. There we go. Should I start over? Could y'all hear that? The first part. Okay. Loving Jesus, serving Jesus, following Jesus, obeying Jesus. As we talk about gospel conversations and disciples making disciples, which if you love Jesus, you're a disciple, and you're called to make disciples. And healthy congregations, we can't do that without the power of Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost. It's the day we celebrate. And remember, when Holy Spirit fell upon the church, was given to the church as a first fruit to fill every believer with his presence, God himself, living inside each and every one of us. And with the outflow, the overflow of Holy Spirit flowing through us to the world to glorify Christ and to bring his love to this lost world. In order to be filled, to have that outflow, There are three things we're talking about. A life of prayer, which we talked about last week, where Jesus calls us to persevere in prayer and to have that humility like the tax collector. Just incredible humility as we pray, recognizing that we are absolutely nothing without Him. Today it's Scripture. We're going to talk a whole lot about God's Word. And I don't know how I'm going to do it in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but we'll see. And then next week, Sabbath. The importance of rest. But before I do that, I have an introduction to make. A couple weeks ago, I had told you guys, announced that at the end of this month, Ed Smith, who is just up here, has been our outreach minister for the past three and a half years. And he's going to be rolling off as our outreach minister. And we're going to be starting our search for a new person to take that role and take that place. Several of you have asked me, so who's going to fill in for Ed while he's gone until we get a new one? And the answer is, I'm looking at it. You guys... We're going to ask many of you to step in, like with our MDUs and stuff like that, other outreaches we have, and many of you have, and I want to repeat what Chris said at the beginning. Over 30 of you helped us with our Vacation Bible School this past week with our sports camp. Thank you so much. I know many of you were praying, so thank you so much for serving. But also, too, starting tomorrow, we've hired Matt Mosley to be a missions intern for the next six months. And so he'll be working for about 10 hours a week with us. So Matt, somewhere right there. Stand up. Just so you know who he is. He won't be taking over everything that Ed has been doing. But he definitely will be helping with our outreaches and just with our mission projects that we have here, connecting with our missionaries. And speaking of missionaries, uh, some are returning home from the field. And we're going to be saying goodbye to eight missionary family units here in this congregation over the next 12 months. So think about it. Eight families, married or single, or with families, Lord willing, will be going overseas over the next 12 months. That's an incredible blessing. But it will affect our congregation. So please be praying, because as they go, like Nick and Bree here pretty soon, who is going to fill in? And we're just going to trust Jesus for that, because we have an incredible privilege to be a worldwide church movement where we get to send people all over the world. And it's not us sending, it's Holy Spirit who we celebrate today in Pentecost. All right, that's the sermon. We're dismissed. Let's go. Let's all stand. Open your Bibles to Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2. It's kind of towards the end of the Bible. So if you're in Hebrews, turn to your left. If you're in one of the little bitty books in the New Testament, you need to turn right. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 10, 10 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 10, it will be up on the screen. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and impostors will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible day. Jesus, we love you and we praise you that you are the living word. And we praise you that you showed us and you taught us that man, that woman, young and old, does not live on bread alone. But on every single word that proceeds from your mouth, Heavenly Father. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you be our teacher today. That you bring encouragement and strength, comfort, conviction transform us by your word so that as we read your written word we may encounter the living word who is Christ Jesus our Lord and we ask these things in your precious name Jesus amen and amen you may be seated I've asked this question in the past and I'll ask it again do you eat to live or live to eat who here likes to eat who loves to eat Okay, we're going out. Our family's going out with my in-laws this evening. We're going to Uncle Julio's. I can't wait. I love to eat. You can probably tell. I look at pictures from 20, 25 years ago, and I'm like, ooh, wow, the metabolism sure has changed in my body a lot. My favorite day in Mexico was Thanksgiving. Now, Mexico, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving down there. Thanksgiving is a United States Canadian holiday, but as expatriates living in Mexico, we would celebrate it. We would take the day off. We would travel 45 minutes to our state capital, meet up with some other dear friends from the United States, and we would have turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and dressing and pumpkin pie, pecan pie, apple pie, green bean casserole, sweet potato casserole. We would have ham, everything. Then we would have, we'd have all these appetizers. And I always had to watch myself that I wouldn't pig out on all the appetizers, even though they were yummy, because I would spoil the dinner. But I loved it. It was awesome. It was amazing. And I can remember those meals because 19 years of Thanksgiving down there. It was my favorite day. I couldn't wait for Thanksgiving. My second to last year in Mexico, I still remember, I got sick on Monday. Real sick. And when I get sick, I want to be in my bed, close the doors, turn off the lights, leave me alone. No one touched me. No one talked to me. Wednesday night came around. Still super sick. Missed Thanksgiving. So bummed. You can probably tell, right, Mike? I love Thanksgiving. We love to eat. But as Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here in Second Timothy, and if you've closed your Bibles, please open it back up. Or you can turn it on on your cell phone, or look on the screen. Here in Second Timothy, we look at a verse here. It's verse sixteen, verse sixteen that says, "All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness." This is a very often quoted verse. All Scriptures God breathed. Now, a little bit of context: Paul wrote Second Timothy. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, and on his second missionary journey. He met a young man named Timothy. He might have even been a teenager at the time. A young man, and Paul invited him to be part of his missionary team. And Timothy, for years, traveled with Paul. For years, traveled from city to city, planning churches. In fact, six of Paul's letters, Timothy is considered a co-sender, co-author. Where you'll see at the beginning, I, Paul, Apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Timothy, and Silas, and he names a couple of people. Timothy was one of the co-senders of at least 6 of Paul's letters. In the book of Acts alone Timothy is sent to 5 different cities after they planted churches to go back to those churches to see how they're doing to encourage them, to comfort them, to teach them more. And then when Paul was in prison at the end of Acts 28, Timothy's back in Ephesus. Paul is released from prison, he travels, some people believe he got to Spain. And at some point in time, Paul is put back into prison, but he's not under house arrest like we see in Acts 28. He's in a dungeon. And according to church tradition, you can visit that dungeon in Rome. I've been there. It's dark, it's dreary, it's wet. The ceiling's about five feet high, and there's a little round hole right in the middle of this dungeon that you lowered yourself in and you got pulled out. There was no latrine, there was no bathroom. That's where Paul was, the maritime prison. Nero was the emperor, and Paul knew that his days on earth were coming to an end. And he wrote 2 Timothy to encourage Timothy, to strengthen Timothy. Also pleading with Timothy, come visit me. I need you. You see, Paul and Timothy, Paul considered Timothy to be one of his spiritual sons. As we say in Spanish, they are cuates. They were me, They were friends. They were more than just amigos and friends. They were brothers in the Lord. They were co-workers and co-laborers. A week ago Saturday, Christy and I and the kids, we went to Birmingham for a wedding for one of our dear friends from Mexico, one of our other missionaries. And it didn't dawn on me that there would be two other missionaries there that were with us just for a couple years. And when we saw them, hugs, oh, so good to see you. And you would have thought that we hadn't missed the beat. Why? Because we were in the trenches together. And Paul and Timothy were in the trenches together for years. Paul's in a prison. He knows knows he's going to die. And Paul says in 2 Timothy, Everyone has left me. Some of his co workers have gone on to do more work, some had abandoned him. Only Luke was with them Luke, who wrote the Gospel, Luke. And so Paul asked Timothy a couple of times, Come to me quickly. And he says here, we read it from verse 10 on down to 17. We're not going to see it all. But Paul reminds Timothy, you've heard, you know my teachings. You've seen and have followed my example of patience and faith and endurance and of joy and of love. Also of sufferings and affliction. And Paul goes on, oh, the afflictions that I suffered. You see, here in the United States and North America, I don't know if it's a blessing or if it's a curse. But Ed has shared what happened with Bishwin Ramilla. We live in a day and age where we're starting to get pressed. And we are afflicted in certain ways for our faith. But not like some of our dear brothers and sisters in North Korea and Sudan. Where some of our missionaries are going. But we will be afflicted and Paul says here in verse 12. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's going to happen. We have an enemy, the devil, who hates us, and he will press hard on us. But then Paul goes down to verse 15, and this is powerful stuff. And I can actually read this under the light right here. This is amazing. And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures. You see, Timothy's mom and his grandmother, they were Jewish. And from the time Timothy was an infant, they taught him scripture. There's still a song, a scripture song, I know from when I was four years old, Ephesians 4.32. I'd love to sing it to you, but I can't carry a note in a bucket or hit it with a sledgehammer. But it's be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. I know that song because as a little baby, I, as a little child, I learned it. In Mexico, we had hundreds of kids in our Bible clubs, and we would hear them running the streets Cussing blue streaks and at the same time singing praises to Jesus from all the Bible verses they memorized. And I wonder what fruit will God produce decades from now. But from the time Timothy was a little baby, he had learned the Scriptures. And in God's great providence, Timothy became a believer. And Paul says here in verse 15, You've known the Scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There's a phrase, we read the written word to encounter the living word. Scripture is very clear that God's invisible attributes, his power, his wisdom, his might are displayed in all creation. No one is without excuse. But in order to truly know who God is, we have to read and know his written word. So look at what Paul says here in verse 16. And we could talk for months just about verse 16. It says, all scripture, all scripture. Now, in Paul's context, that's the Old Testament. Genesis all the way up to Malachi. All scripture is what? God inspired, inspired by God. Now, that word inspired, it doesn't just mean, you know, when you hear about an athlete or an artist or a poet, oh, what inspiration they had when they drew this or when they wrote this. Inspiration does not mean that these people were taken over by some mystical force and they became neutral and God used them like some puppet. No, it's God breathed. God breathed out. And these writers of the Old Testament, the writers even of the New Testament, when it says they were inspired by God, it's God spoke in them, God spoke through them using their personality, using their gifts, using their experiences, using their culture, using their language, using their character, their persona, so to speak. Because the Bible was written over 2,000 years, at least 40 authors, in three different continents, three different languages. This is an amazing book. But God took all these authors, and it's his words that he's using men to write his book. God breathed out. All Scripture. Now, for us living almost two thousand years after Paul, that includes the New Testament. But even as you read the New Testament, Paul himself believed that what he was preaching and teaching was God ordained, God given. And Second Peter, Peter even says that what Paul has written is hard to understand. And some twist Paul's words like they do other scriptures. So even Peter was saying that Paul's letters were the equivalent of Scripture. So all Scripture, from Genesis one one to Revelation twenty two, twenty-one, all of it is inspired, God breathed. He is the author. And it means that authority, do you remember a couple months ago when we talked about Jesus having authority to teach? Do you remember that? And how Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, Jesus had the authority. God is the author of this book. And what that means, and you can look at it either way, we put it on the ground and we stand on it as our rock and foundation Or you can put it on on our head as submitting to it. Now, for those who don't know, but many of you do, I'm an Anglican priest. I have a bishop up in Chicago. I'm going to see him next weekend. My brother's getting my brother. My nephew's getting married, and I get to do the service. So we're going to visit their church. And he will wear the funny hat the Anglicans wear. It's called a mitre. Does anyone know what that hat stands for? God's word. And it's symbolic that the bishops submit themselves and get under God's Word. So everybody take your Bible or your cell phone if your Bible's on your cell phone. Raise it up over your head. Put it on top of your head. We submit. That was funny. A little baby laughed. We submit. We get under God's Word. Why? Because it's His inspired Word. They're His words. And it says here it's useful for teaching. For rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Not only teaching, but teaching with authority. Rebuking. What does rebuking mean? It means to call out that something is wrong. And I'm going to look on my notes because I want to read this. This stuff was fascinating when I was looking it up. Rebuking to express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone. Ooh, who likes to be criticized? I sure don't. You like to be criticized, Judah? Man, good for you. That's awesome. But it's a sharp disapproval, sharp criticism of someone's behavior or actions. Synonyms of rebuke are to reprimand, to reproach, to scold, to admonish, to reprove, to censor, to chastise, to chide, to berate. To take the task, to pull up. Scripture is useful for rebuking. It's to, and then the next one is to correct. Correct is similar to rebuking, but it's to change the way. Now, when we rebuke somebody, we need to do it out of great humility and love. Not out of like we stand up above someone and we stick out that big jagged finger and manga langa 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 langa. No. But we use God's word. To show people. And it's Holy Spirit who brings the actual conviction of sin. But Scripture is our not only our guidepost, but it's our foundation. It's what we get under, what we submit ourselves to. Why? Because through Scripture we're taught. Through Scripture, Holy Spirit rebukes us. Through Scripture, Holy Spirit corrects us. And He usually does it through the body. And then what else? Training. And training is kind of like teaching. But the emphasis is on action and practice. You see within the church over the past 50-60 years, we've equated discipleship with biblical knowledge. And I can imagine most of us know people who can have the Bible memorized, and yet they live like hellions. And they're hypocrites and they're full of anger, pride, arrogance. They're gossipers. They're slanderers. They criticize. They complain. And they can cut people like a knife with their tongue. And there's no sense of Holy Spirit in their lives. Zero fruit. And yet they can quote this inside and out. How dare we use scripture to destroy other people just to win our personal arguments? Because the key to reading scripture is is to grow in righteousness and right living. Again, that quote, we read God's written word to encounter the living word. So what does that mean for us? Three things, very quickly. Three things. It says here in verse 17 that all scripture is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God, is complete, equipped for every good work. There's three things I want to challenge you with. The first one is this. Value God's word for what it is. This is his word. If you want to learn how it all came about. Invite me out to eat. I love to eat. I'll pay for it. This is an amazing book. It's not like any other book ever written. It has one author. With many humans with their hands. All fingerprints all on it. But the main fingerprint is Jesus' fingerprint, the Holy Spirit. We need to value this. In Mexico, if you did this in Mexico, you would hear the air go out of the church building. (laughs) Because in Mexico, it was extremely offensive to put your Bible on the floor. Honor. The second thing is this. Consume it. Consume God's Word. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Be like a dry sponge that's dipped into water and allow God's written word to consume you. The last thing is submit to it. Submit to what God says in his word. So very quickly, we've got the Lord's Supper here in just a few minutes. But I know for many of us we might wonder, man, I don't even know where to start reading the Bible. I start in Genesis and I get lost by the time I get to the Le- Leviticus and all these names of begotten so-and-so, begot so-and-so, the begot so-and-so. It talks about all these crazy wars and this plague and that plague. It makes zero sense. And many of us talk a whole lot about the Bible. Man, the Bible this, the Bible that. But we might spend maybe read the Bible once a week. We might try to find it. Man, where's my Bible? I gotta find it, because when I get to church I need to make sure and we laugh about it and we might read the Bible for a week and then for a month and we don't read it for three months we feel guilty about it oh man I know I need to read my Bible but we don't we don't know where to start where to begin I want to encourage everyone today starting today get you a notebook a little bitty simple notebook a journal it doesn't have to be as fancy as this one it doesn't have to have a big U.T. on it but get you a journal and open it up, put the date on today, and then start in the book of Mark or the book of Acts. And before you start, and this is mine, I started this on April 4th, I mean April 14th of this year, it's the first page here. And since my sophomore year in high school, I have journals like this, and I don't say this to brag about myself, but Christy will get mad at me because I got about three boxes in the house of journals since my sophomore year in high school. Of trying to every day. And it started out five minutes a day. Praying to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit teach me about your word. And then read one chapter. And as I read the chapter. I mark down in that chapter in the Bible. The words that speak to me. And after reading that chapter. I then pick one verse. That speaks to me. And there are many days when nothing speaks to me. It's like eating oatmeal that's got zero honey in it, no raisins in it, not a single walnut in it. It's even cold and runny. Do you remember what you ate five days ago? What did you eat for breakfast 17 days ago? Do you remember? Well, for lunch six days ago. Do you remember what you ate then? But if you hadn't eaten any of those meals, none of us would be here today. We read God's written word to encounter the living word, which is Jesus. Not only a notebook, but you need to get a Bible. You don't have to get a family Bible. And you open it up. And you read that chapter. And then you write down that verse. And after writing that verse, you then write your thoughts about that verse. And as Americans, after two weeks of doing that, if we don't any fruit or results, we close the Bible, we close the notebook and say, well, we tried. But we're crockpots that take a long time to absorb the written word, to encounter the living word. And our Heavenly Father has has given us a love letter, and it's a big one. And He longs for us to consume His word And to not only memorize it, but to surrender to it and submit to it and allow him to speak to us. So that as we read the written word, we will encounter the living word who is Jesus Christ. And as we encounter Jesus each and every day, he consumes us with his presence. And he consumes us with his presence and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And we love him back with all that we are and then we're able to love others with his love so that he... Is glorified. So I want to encourage you today. Don't just talk about how awesome God's word is. But value it. Consume it. And submit to it. And if you are in a horrible habit of not reading his word. Start reading one chapter a day. Pick one verse. Write that verse down. Then write about why does that verse speak to you. And see what Holy Spirit does to you over the next month. Next six months. Next year, we're going long, so the Methodists are going to get first in line at the buffet. But we're now going to come to the best table, the greatest table. It's the Lord's table. So we're going to take a moment just in confession. We're going to confess our sins against God and our neighbor. So let's just take a few minutes to prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table to worship him. So just in this moment of silence, Ask Holy Spirit to move in your heart, to prepare your heart to celebrate what Christ has done on the cross. Those who are going to help with communion, could you come forward now, please? It says in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians, and also the Gospels, that on the night when Jesus was handed over to suffering and death, it says he took bread, he gave thanks to our Heavenly Father, he then broke it, And told his disciples, this is my body of the new covenant. Every time you do this, you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, Jesus took the cup. And after giving thanks to our heavenly father, he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. My blood which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. We will celebrate communion. Our deacons will be here on the right and on your right and on your left. You can come down either aisle. Feel free to take the cup, take the bread, and then go to the outside. You can take it right there. You don't have to go back to your seat, but if you want to, you can. But feel free to take, partake right there on the spot. Members of our prayer team will be over here to your right. They would love to pray with you if you have prayer requests, need prayer. Part of our worship team will be leading us in music. This is an incredible time of reflection and worship and celebration. Let's stand. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your great sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for this bread and we thank you for this cup that symbolize your broken body, Jesus. Your shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And may you speak to us, Jesus, now. May we encounter you as we worship you and remember your death, your sacrifice. Your name we pray Jesus amen and amen